Um, again, welcome everyone. I'm so glad you're here today. Um, again, for those who don't know, if you're watching online, maybe this is your first time in the service. My name is Matt, lead pastor, along with my beautiful wife, Tanya, Sheree, Jansen. And we get to lead this church. We love leading this church. We love um, the opportunity to serve in this way. And this church belongs to Jesus. I'm just saying that once again. I'm just declaring it. It belongs to him. And we're so grateful that we serve such a great God. Um, if you're new here, we hope you felt welcomed. And uh, can't wait for you to get to know some of our community. Um, and yeah, we are a caring, loving church that is here to care for and bring people to Jesus. That's what we're all about. Now, if you haven't been with us, or if you've missed a few Sundays, I want to bring you up to speed on what we've been talking about. Because to kick off the year 2024, what I felt like the Lord put on my heart is this idea of a walk with Jesus. And just a brief synopsis to kind of fill you in on where this idea came from. Um, I shared this story the last two Sundays, I think, but I'll just really quick. My uncle passed away recently. We were at a funeral for him, and we were remembering all these things about him. And one of the memories that I had of my uncle was his cologne. And uh, his cologne or his aftershave, I'm not sure what it, what it was, but he had a very distinct cologne or aftershave. And I, he was a truck driver. And I remember going in the truck with him from Chilliwack to Vernon. And I would get up to Vernon and I'd get out of the truck and all my clothes would smell like my Uncle Detlef because I was in his presence for a long time. And so people would say, Are you, have you been with your Uncle Detlef? And I'd say, smell this because there was a very distinct smell. And it was a good smell, but it was definitely distinct to him. And I thought, had this thought about, like, that's so cool that I can remember him that way through a scent. And then I thought about this idea of what if we could get so close to Jesus that we could carry his fragrance to the world around us? And so that's kind of the big idea. And I don't know if you've kind of caught on to this, but we've started this journey by dealing with it through our five senses. So the first week we talked about smell. This, last week we talked about the sound of his voice. And what did we say last week? We said that his voice sounds like his word. His voice sounds like what he wrote, right? We talked about that. And then this week, what we're going to be dealing with and talking about is this context of, of, of how can I know Jesus in a greater way? How can I experience him and be so close to him? And we're talking about it today through the medium of touch. Um, and so again, we've read this scripture every Sunday as we started this series off in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And the scripture says this, But what things were gained to me, these I count as loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and be found in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. The big idea here is that I may know him. How can we know him through the sense of smell? We talked about that at the beginning, that woman that came and, and she had a, a, an alabaster bottle of perfume and she broke it and washed his feet. And from that day forward, whenever she smelled that smell or anybody else smelled that smell, they would remember an encounter with Jesus where a sinner was restored. Right? And so there's this, there's this memory attached to it. How, how can we remember Jesus through uh, what he speaks? When we get into his word and we dig into it, we get to know what he sounds like. There's a cadence to his voice. There's a way that he speaks. And, and when you get to know somebody over time, you can say, well, that just sounds just like that person. Right? 
And so you can know that sounds just like Jesus, and it lines up with his word. But today, what about a touch? What about a touch? And there's something powerful about a human touch. There's something that is a connection point to that. There's something that, that, that connects to people and can bring healing and can bring life. Um, touch is, is multifaceted. We could talk about this idea of laying on of hands, which is something we would do here in the church, or some sort of a physical connection. Uh, touch is a connection point. You can also have negative sides to touch. Some people don't like to touch people at all. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's, uh, there, there's this thing called halfophobia, which is an intense, overwhelming fear of being touched. There's, there's famous people that I've heard of that will not shake people's hands because they're like, I just don't touch other people. But there's something powerful about touch. When you, when you meet a famous person, it's, it's, it's normal to try and get up close to them, to try and touch something that is connected to them. Um, I remember when I was a young man, we were flying out to Mexico for a missions trip, and we landed at LAX, and my dad all of a sudden comes running up to me. He's like, Matt, you've got to come with me right now. And I'm like, okay. And so I walk over to this area in the airport, and there's a man standing there, a gigantic African-American man with huge hands. And he's standing there, and he's kind of shaking. And Dad's like, you need to go shake his hand. Okay. And he's got this, like, bodyguard beside him. And I'm like, you must be somebody really famous. I don't know. I'm like 14, 15. I don't even know. And so I reach out, and I shake this man's hand. And his hand just envelops mine. And he looks at me with this intense look and kind of smiles at me. And I'm like, all right. And I'm like, Dad, who is that? He goes, Matt, that's Muhammad Ali. I got to shake Muhammad Ali's hand. There's something cool about that. Now, the one that I recognized was I was at the Grizzlies game in Vancouver, and I'll never forget this. One of my heroes, David Robinson, who's a man of God, um, who, who confesses Christ and is a great basketball player. I'll never forget, I was standing there at the gateway when they were all walking out, and David Robinson is must, must be about seven feet tall. And when he got out to the gate, he reached up, he looked up at me, put his hand way up, and gave me a high five as he was walking out to the court. And I was like, man, I just touched David Robinson's hand. I am never washing this hand again. Don't worry, I've watched it many a time. But that was, that was like there was a touch. There was something about that. There was a connection point to somebody that, that I looked up to. There was a touch that was important. I, I love the sense of touch. Um, we, when Tanya and I first got married, we read this book called The Five Love Languages. Anybody heard about this book? It's a great book. And some of those love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, or physical touch. And when we kind of went through this book and read through some of the tests, we realized that one of my top uh, love languages is this idea of physical touch. And, and I love it when I can reach out and touch my wife's hand when we're driving. It's just powerful. I love it when my daughters run up to me and grab my hand. And I get to walk through the mall with them, holding their hand in hand, this, this, this physical connection. There's something powerful about a touch. And this morning, I want to tell a story about Jesus where a touch changed a life. And then talk about how that could apply to our lives today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 43, verse 48. Uh, uh, eight, pardon me, chapter 8, verse 43. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. I'm le- reading from the New King James Version this morning. I hear some pages rustling. All right, here's what it says. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any 
came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let's just pray for a moment here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Father, we submit ourselves to your word this morning, Lord God, and we pray that as this word goes forth into our hearts, God, that it would not return void, but God, that it would bring good seed in our lives, Lord Jesus. Father God, we pray for good fruit to come from this word this morning, Lord God, and I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way. God, that you can do whatever you want to do. God, I thank you that this is your church. You can have your way in your holy name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So here we have the story of a, of a woman. And evidently, she had heard the rumors about a man named Jesus. And the Bible tells us that it had been many years, in fact, 12 years, that she had had some sort of a, a blood issue, a flow of blood and this was a problem. It was ongoing, and undoubtedly she had talked to many different people, tried to seek out different ways to, to solve this issue, but it would not stop. And she heard about this man named Jesus, and she heard about this healing that had been taking place around her. And so she got this thought in her mind. I don't know where it came from, but somehow she got this thought in her mind that if I could just get close enough to him to touch even the hem of his garment, even the very fringe of the clothes that he's wearing, I believe that I could be healed. And that day as Jesus was walking, he was on a mission. He had just met with a man whose, whose daughter was very sick, and he was going to see if he could pray for this daughter and heal her. And he was on his way over there, and, and the Bible talks about the fact that the, 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 the crowds were thronging around him. There was tons of people all around him. And he was making his way over towards Jairus' house. And in the midst of his walk, suddenly, this, young, this woman, who, who, who was so desperate for a healing, fought her way through the crowd, reached down desperately, and touched the edge of his garment. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks. Jesus stopped. Disciples like, what's up? Jesus is like, who touched me? Now, Peter looks at him like, are you crazy? The disciples are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? There's, there's hundreds of people all around you that are brushing up against you all, all over the place. There's all these people that are just kind of making their way around you. And he says, no, there is somebody who deliberately touched me, for I felt power go out from me. And the woman was afraid. Why would the woman have been afraid? Because in those days, if you had an issue if you had a sickness, if there was something that was in your life uh, uh, that, that uh, was a sickness or some sort of an area like that, you would be considered ceremonially unclean. And as an unclean person, it was likely that you weren't even supposed to be out in public, let alone touching somebody else. Why? Because if you touch them, then they also 
would become unclean. So she was afraid. She had broken the rules. She had approached somebody to touch them deliberately, and now it had been called out in that moment. And there was fear there. And so the Bible tells us that she turned to Jesus. She saw that she was not hidden, and she came trembling. And she fell down before him and declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and how she had been healed immediately. Jesus looked at her. Now, again, under the law, he could have said, how dare you touch me? You are sick. There is an issue that you have. Why would you try to do something like that? Everybody knows you shouldn't touch another person if you have a sickness like that. You've now made me unclean. But Jesus does not say that. Instead, he turns to her and says, daughter, it's okay. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. And there's three thoughts I want to pull out of this story today that apply to us today. How can we experience the touch of Jesus today? There's three truths I want to bring out of this message today for you that you can take home with you. And here's the first one. I'm going to break it down into words and then a statement underneath. The first one is this, power. Jesus is powerful enough to save. Now watch this. The woman comes, fights through the crowd, reaches up and touches Jesus, but she is unclean. And under the law, if an unclean person touches a clean person, that clean person immediately becomes unclean. But not Jesus. The rule does not apply to Jesus For Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is mighty to save. He is the Savior of all. And so there is no unclean thing that can come against him and have influence over him. Jesus has the power to heal. And in this case, where the the influence should have flown from the unclean to the clean to make them unclean, The influence flowed from the clean, the person who is mighty, the person who is holy, who who, who was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And the influence flowed from the clean person into the unclean person. So what does that mean for us today? Maybe the devil's been lying to you. Maybe he's been telling you that you've gone too far. That, he, that God can deal with many issues, but your issue is too much for him. The thing that you're carrying, no, that, that, that can't apply to you. Because obviously, if you, if you tell other people about this, if you bring this out, all you're going to do is make them unclean. But not Jesus. If you come as you are. He is mighty to save. Here's what it says in Philippians 2, 9, and 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is so much Lord that there is no issue 
that can, can destroy him or take him down. There's no issue that would surprise him. There's no issue in your life that would keep him from being able to bring salvation and healing to your life. He is Lord. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He is the righteous one. He is the holy one. And he is our hope of glory, church. I don't know what the issue is that you're carrying today, but our God is mighty to save. Amen? The first word is power. The second word is this, faith. The second word is faith. It's not a physical touch, but faith that heals and brings power. Okay, so we've established that Jesus is more powerful than your issue. That Jesus is more powerful than anything that you're facing today. That he is God, he is Lord, he is mighty to save. Now the next part is, in this story, what happens is Jesus is physically walking down the street and this woman is able to physically touch the hem of his garment and she is healed. And how many of you know the Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered, there I am also in their midst. So we know that God is with us in spirit. We know that he's here right now. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But his physical presence is not necessarily here right now. So what do we do with that? How do we experience this encounter with Jesus? How do we experience this touch? What, what, what do we do, I need to do to, to, to experience this? Well, Jesus, I think, speaks through the generations I think when he speaks these words at the end of this passage, it's not just for the woman right there, but it's for everybody that's surrounding him, and it's for us today. There's hope. And this is what Jesus says. He says, daughter, be of good cheer. What does he say? Does he say, because you fought through the crowd, and you jumped up and down three times, and you got on your knees, and you drooled a little bit, and then you reached out and you touched my hem of my garment, you were healed. Everybody, jump up and down three times, get down on your knees, drool a little bit, touch my garment, and you'll be healed. That's not what he says. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see, it's not the physical touch that healed her. It was her faith. It was because she believed that he was mighty to save, that he was able to heal. Now, obviously, today we are not able to physically touch Jesus, but that which is as powerful and can touch his heart is faith. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. It's not a touch. And yet there's nothing magical about a touch. It was her faith in Jesus. What does that mean for us today? We don't need a physical touch to experience his power. It's not the method that has the power, but it's Jesus that has the power. And there is a way that we can reach out with our faith and touch his heart. There's a way that we can respond to him and show him, God, we believe that you're able to do this, that you're mighty to save, that you are God, that you are Lord, that you're in this situation. God, we know that you can move. God, I know and I trust that you're able. God, if I could just touch the hem of your garment. God, if I could just come close to you. God, if I could just push through all these distractions around me, all these lies that are telling me that I, I can't get to Jesus anymore. If I could just push through into your presence, then I know there's a place where I can experience your peace. I know there's a place where I can experience your hope. No matter what I'm facing, 
There must be a way. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, then all my fears and all my cares would be washed away. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then the cares of life would fade in the light of Jesus' face. Yeah. Because you are all I want. If we could just touch him, if we could just come close, we know that Jesus has the power. We know that the key is not the touch, but it's faith. And the third word is this, pursuit. Pursuit. It's the daily intentional pursuit of him that produces the change in our lives that we seek. Charles Spurgeon says this, it's, it is not every contact with Christ that saves men. It is the arousing of yourself to come near to him, the determinate and personal, resolute, believing touch of Jesus Christ, which saves. Church, let me tell you something. There is a difference between a casual contact and an intentional pursuit. You see, in that crowd that day, as Jesus was walking towards Jairus' house, were many people, the Bible tells us. So many so that when he asked who had touched him, the disciples looked at him like he was crazy. Because that day, as he walked towards Jairus' home, many people were brushing up against Jesus, checking it out. Oh, do you see it? I just kind of touched his, his coat. That's so cool. High five. You know, hey, I got an autograph. You know, whatever it might be. This is so cool. So great. And there was all these people that were around him that were brushing up against Jesus. But there was one person who set out to intentionally touch him. There was one person who decided, it doesn't matter what it takes. I don't care if I look silly. I don't care if I get called out on this. There's something more important, and it's to touch this. If I do that, I just know I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be restored. There are many who were casually contacting Jesus that day, but there was only one who intentionally set out to touch him. Here's what it says in the book of James, James 4.8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Psalms 27, verse 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Life Church, what he's looking for is not perfection, this woman was far from perfect. In fact, she was considered unclean. What God is looking for is not perfection, but it is those that will sell everything to pursue him. Will give it up to say, God, all I want is you. Let me be clear. I'm not saying you should sell everything you have today. I'm not saying that. I'm saying sell out for Jesus. Give him your all. Give him your heart and give him your everything. Have you given your life to him? For it is in the daily pursuit, in the intentional pursuit, that the miracle and the change comes. For today we cannot touch him physically. But just like this woman, who the touch was a means of grace, we can pursue the heart of God and experience his goodness in our daily lives. If we would just choose to pursue him.
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I'd like to invite my beautiful wife up. So this morning as we explore the story of Jesus through the median of, of touch, we recognize that he is powerful. But no matter what it is that you are facing today, he is able to bring his influence into that situation which is an influence of life, of love, peace, joy, hope, where it seems hopeless. We know that God responds to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Also, I was reminded just right now, the scripture, it says, God's arm is not too short that he cannot save. He is able to meet you right where you are. And finally, the pursuit. Look, maybe you've grown weary. Isaiah 40 says that even young men grow weary. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, they shall walk and not faint. This morning, I'm going to ask you the question, what can you do to reach out and touch Jesus in your life today? Is there an area in your life, an issue that you're holding on to? What about an issue that's holding on to you? Is there something in your life that's keeping you back from experiencing the fullness of his presence today? I believe what God is looking for is not perfect people, but people that recognize their need of him and therefore pursue his presence. So I'd like to invite everybody, let's just stand together today. distractions and weights fall because we have 
just need him. Just need him. I want to do something a little different. And those who are on the prayer team for after, I want to call you up, prayer team, right now. Just be on the side here.
Sometimes when the, uh, the word of the Lord comes, you, you look through history and scripture, and people would hear God speak, and their response was to try to Papa was speaking. Abba. Proverbs. Listen, watch, and wait. God is found in listening, in watching, and waiting. We listen, we watch, and we wait. Do not listen to the tempter because he wants you to run all over the place and be distracted by this, that, and the other. Listen, we watch, and we wait. That is the instruction from Abba, our Father, today. Please, please heed what Abba is saying. Amen. Every challenge, every Thank you. 
because your word says that we are to come boldly before your throne of grace. We come before you today, Lord God, and whatever it is that we're carrying, whatever's holding us, God, whatever we're holding on to, we lay it at your feet. We say, Jesus, come have your way. Father, we want to pursue you. We're coming after you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we're not going after a worldly solution. We're not going after what we might think in our, in our, in our minds, Lord Jesus. But Lord God, we are coming after you, the one who has called us, who has said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We come to you today, Lord God, and we lay our burdens at your feet. And we say, Jesus, come have your way. Come do your thing. Come work in our situation. Go, God. We thank you that you haven't forsaken us and you haven't left us. And God, that you still are, are good and that you still are capable and you still are faithful. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord God. And you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us through Christ Jesus. So Father, today we deliberately touch. We deliberately reach out to you. And we say, have your way in us. Make us more like you, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Church, let's live a life that pursues Jesus. It's not a Sunday. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday pursuit. Go with God. He loves you. Can't wait to see you next week.